Swivel. Hey guys, I'm Jaden and I'm a mum, a business owner, a kid argument tiebreaker and now a podcast host. It's tricky juggling it all, but as the saying goes, it takes a village to raise a child, so I'm bringing in my mum friends to co-host alongside me throughout the series. Each week we try and entertain and support mums who are going through the shitty hard times to hopefully make you laugh and support you in your journey. On the podcast, we talk to lots of experts to do a deep dive into the issues that affect us as mums and hope by sharing this alongside our own stories, we can help mums feel like they are validated and appreciated. Join us for a whirlwind of an episode this week on Mummy Village. So this week, I thought I'd bring back Adriana. (laughs) She's laughing because... (laughs) Hi again. Because each week I'm like, and this week we have Adriana. Welcome back. It's me. <laughs> so welcome back to Thank the podcast. You. Thank you. But let's start with our highs and lows. You know how it goes. You can kick off the week. I'll kick it off. I'll kick it off. Go. Okay, my low. So let's just say another day at daycare, another illness to bring home for mother. Honestly. Do you know what? Stop. I've worked in childcare for years and years and years. So I knew this was going to happen, I knew. But then when it happens to me, I'm like, why? Why do I have to deal with this? No, look, he's fine, he's fine, but it's the high temperatures, it's the coughing, it's the runny nose. That's what I'm dealing with at the moment. It's so annoying. He's a trooper and he's good. He's still all smiles. But, yeah, it's just hard, especially when they're so helpless and you just got to ride the wave, right? I know. You know what? I have to say, like, when G first started daycare, like my eldest, she got sick quite often. My second, little Maria, mm. she got sick more than what Georgia did, yeah. which I found so bizarre. And now yeah. they're like troopers. Like they hardly ever, touch wood, ever get sick. But, but I'll tell you something, <laughs> my girlfriend Raquel, she's got a little boy, mm. beautiful Henry, and it's like clockwork come Friday. She's so done with it. She's like, what the fuck is going on at that daycare? It's like clockwork on a Friday. He's got a high temperature. He's out for the weekend. How long has he been in daycare? For heaps long now, like a while. Because I was going to say, once their immunity builds, it gets easier. So maybe he's taking a bit longer to build that immunity. Yeah, but he's got an older sister who's my goddaughter. But the point of me bringing that up was the fact that like we just, you know, we're so over it because Mm. it's like they get better and then – some other parent, look, I'm actually going to like call myself out on this. Yeah. I have sent the girls to daycare with oh, me. <laughs> I just need the day to myself. Know, but then I when know. it happens to me, I get the shits. I'm like, how dare those parents take their kids while they're sick? But I am that parent. I well, know. I have been that parent. So yeah, it's I always know. the, well, if they're really sick, they'll call me. Yeah. <laughs> And then Georgia got a, I got a phone call like a few weeks ago. Georgia's got a high temperature of 39.9. I'm like, oh my God, I'm about to go into a meeting. Not Panadol. Can you just give her a bit of Panadol and I'll be back. Yeah, Jane, you're going to have to pick her up. I'm like, yeah, yeah, of course, of course. I got there at 5.30. Jaden. She was perfectly fine after the Panadol. I checked in. She was and then you fine. get an email that night. Hello, everybody. Hello, yeah. parents. There has been an illness going around. <laughs> anyway, I completely just hijacked you a low. Sorry. No, that's But fine. is he okay now? Yeah, he's fine. Oh, good, he's fine. Baba. He's good, he's good. Oh, bless his heart. 
All right. Give me a high. A high, a high. Okay, I have a big high. Oh, my God, stop I it. Just, I, I didn't even know whether I should share this yet, if I'm really, like, jumping the gun. But Jaden was like, do it. Yes, go, do it, share it. it, share it. So I have written a children's book. And I've literally had these words sitting on my computer for about, I'm going to say like three years and just didn't know what to do with it. But then shout out to Laura Feldman who created this course on how to self-publish your book and it's been a godsend. So, yeah, I'm on the path and I finally found an illustrator. Yes! I'm so excited. (laughs) I got my samples back and literally it was like waiting for Santa to come. Oh my god. I was god. looking at my phone. Actually, it was like I was in a brand new relationship. I'm waiting for a text message. I have the phone in my hand. I'm like, when is she gonna message me with these samples? Um I love it. yeah, I they came back, love them. So she is doing my whole book. Oh so my god. I shall keep you posted on what's Yeah, happening. I'm so excited. That's mm. amazing. I'm super excited for you because I think that's you know, it's something for Nicholas to have forever, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm so proud that you've actually gone and done it. Like Thank you're you. making it happen, you know, one year, two years, three years, six years, you're making it happen. And exactly. that's the most important thing. So you should Thanks, be so proud love. of yourself. Thank I'm excited. You. I'm so excited. And I've actually read it and I love it. I oh, absolutely yeah. love it. And I think every single parent should have one of those in the bookshelf for their kids because it's all about self-love and self-acceptance and that's what we need more of. So I'm proud of you. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. So my, I'm going to start with my, so my high has been, I've secured a new hair salon, a space, a new retail space that I will convert into a little salon with my best friend. So, so exciting. I'm so excited. It's really scary because it's the first time I've gone out on my own without family help or anything like that. So like, it's like. feel like, how good are you going to feel? Yeah. Once it's all done and you're like, I did this on my own. Yeah. A hundred percent. I just think like there's been a lot of growth this month Mm -hmm. and it's been a very, very tricky, confronting, like whirlwind of a month. And that's been my high. So I get the lease today. We signed the HOA and paid the deposit and I'm super excited and it's close to home. So it's like not far and all my clientele are super happy with the new space because I've let them know the location. So yeah, so I'm excited. So now it's like the planning and all that kind of stuff. So we get the keys in like less than eight days. And when do you start actually? We'll probably be in there like operating from the 11th of April. Oh my gosh. I know. So soon. I know. I'm so excited. So that was my high. Excuse me. I've had a couple of lows. I'm going to start with one low. Georgia had a seizure a couple of weeks ago. Oh, horrifying. Yeah. So she had a seizure, bless her heart, just on top of like the shit wind of this month. And and it's not even, it's not even, are we halfway through? I don't even know where we are. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, so bless her little heart. She had a seizure got rushed to hospital and ECG, bloods, everything came back. Mm. She was fine. She just had her EEG on Friday that Mm -hmm. just went and we get the results today. If that comes back fine, then we can just thank our lucky stars and just keep an eye out. Yeah, totally. Which in my gut of guts, I feel like it it was a one-off thing. She didn't have a temperature, so it wasn't a 
What's that? Febrile, febrile convulsion? Yes, that one. I don't, you got Thank it. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah, so it wasn't that. So that's great. I mean, I would have preferred it to have been that, to be honest. So you know. So I know. This is what it was. Yeah. yeah. But hopefully all her, result back, her results come back good. She's been a trooper. She's like on the mend and her and her sister have been great. So I'm really excited to introduce our guest for this episode and I'm also excited to have this person back on Mummy Village. Jen Muir is the founder of Connected Parenting. You've probably heard of her. If you haven't, you need to check her out. She's a social worker and counsellor with a passion for helping families adapt to the modern parenting world and all of its challenges. She's here today to talk about a huge transition for parents, which is going from one child to two, and you'll hear all about our chat with Jen straight after the break. So what are some of the tips on supporting the first child to ease into having a sibling, Jen? Wow, it is such a big adjustment when we introduce a sibling into the family and it is biggest for the child that would have been the youngest. So let's just start with the tips that I think most of us got given when we welcomed a second baby. So I got told not to have the baby in your arms. I love that one. When they meet for the first time, were you told that? <laughs> I got that all the time. I'm like, but it's a baby. Where do I put it? <laughs> so there's nothing wrong with that advice, but what makes more sense is the why we might do that. Because in that case, we're thinking that that's about the baby. Mm. And in fact, there's a reason we might do that, but I want to explain it in a second. And then the second thing we get told is to buy a present from the baby <laughs> to the older child. I did that. <laughs> You did that and it entertains your older child for 2.5 seconds. Yeah, probably a second. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Or they wanted to keep the toy. So I think the biggest tip that parents could have Mm -hmm. is to be ready for our older child. Mm -hmm. There will be a moment where they're thinking, do you have enough love for me and this baby? Where they're thinking, what has happened here? I don't even understand Mm -hmm. it because I'm two or three and everyone's banging on about this baby and now there's this human here and I don't know what this means for me. So if we are ready to meet our child wherever they're at, and that might be that they love the baby, that might mean that they want to get so involved, it might mean that they are struggling suddenly and they're bursting into tears over what coloured cut we gave them and we're kind of thinking, what is going on with my child? And we Mm. need to be able to reflect and go, I reckon this child has had a few life changes recently (laughs) and we need to help them. So there's, there's other things we can do, but I think the biggest thing we can do is be so aware that for our older child, it will be an adjustment. Yeah. And I think you're a hundred percent right with that because even when I brought little Maria home, Georgia was so excited. And the fact that, you know, I did the present thing and I was like, oh, look at what Maria bought you. And she was like, oh my God, my sister, my sister. But it was well and truly over within a second. And then she was holding her and then she's like, get her off me. Like, I don't want her on me. And it was a very big adjustment. We did see the meltdowns, Jen, that you were just explaining, Mm. like over the cup that we gave her, it wasn't yellow. She wanted yellow. And I was like, just drink it. And my husband and I had to say to each other, I really don't think this is about the cup. I think this is really about her becoming a big sister. (laughs) So it's not her anymore. It's just a shit. Exactly. And I I think one of the reasons we focus on the present or not having the baby in our arms, we're thinking it's all about them. 
So we do all this prep in the lead up to a second baby. We're like, you're going to love being a big sister. You're going to be mummy's best yeah. helper. Yes. Yeah. yes. Yeah. your best friend. And let's be honest, it is not a great friend for the first year. Like, it's <laughs> not. It's not for anybody. <laughs> oh, my God. And so we sort so of cute. do all of this stuff in the same way as we overexcite a child for starting kindy. You're going to love school. It's the best. And it's like, oh. So we sort of set them up with this idea because, and it's not that we're idiots, it's that we want these two humans to be friends. Yes. One of the reasons we have more than one child is so they will one day be there for each other. So it matters so much to us that this gets off to a good start. Yeah, and definitely. yet the irony of it is the best way to ensure that relationship gets off to a good start is to reassure our older child that they haven't lost their footing in our relationship with them, yeah. that everything is okay between us and them. If we can have them feeling connected and seen and loved and heard, then they are going to go, okay, well, I'm interested in this little person. And where I think their friendship really hits the ground running is usually around the time your older child makes the baby laugh for the first time around 12 weeks. And then they go, oh, that was pretty cool. I've got a bit of an audience here. And in a way, if we can get out of the way of that, their relationship will just unfold. We just want to be out of the way of it. We want to make sure we've met our older child's needs in the lead up to that. Yeah, I was going to say, instead of just approaching it with, oh, it's going to be amazing, should you be touching, there are going to be some hard times and sort of giving them that communication as well or not? I think in the lead up, it's good to read some books. It's good to talk about the baby will come. I think we've got to be real about it. Like, you know, the baby will come and one day the baby will play with you, but at first it won't do very much. And yeah. babies can yeah, okay. cry. And if you find it too loud, you can cover your ears. Exactly. You know, we can do these things yeah. to sort of be more real. And so they've got a sense of this happening, but you don't want to be, you don't want to overdo it. So yeah, exactly. Sometimes when we're talking too much to our children about anything that's about to happen, it's our own anxiety and we probably need to check that. It's probably more about us hoping it goes well and in a way, yes, it's good to read books and go that's where the baby will sleep and sometimes babies cry and this is all the reality of what's going to happen. It's good to talk them through the realities but maybe not overdo it. Yeah. Yeah. Can I ask, like, do you find a lot of fear is around the perinatal mental health of having gone from one to two, especially if the mother had a bad perinatal mental health experience with the first? Yeah. I mean, that makes a lot of sense because if you've had a bad experience with your first baby, then there's a trauma response that hangs around where you feel very scared that that's going to happen again to you. Yeah. What we see is that generally if you have had that really challenging first experience, on the whole, you're going to be much better prepared coming into that second baby yes. because you're not going to be blindsided by that. So in general, you've already got a psychologist. You're yeah. possibly already taking medication. You've already got some infrastructure and support in place. You're not afraid to ask for help. And that's what can get us so unstuck when this happens the first time and we have no idea to expect that things could go wrong. I think that makes all the difference. And look, on the whole, I almost think that in some ways life balances things out. And when you have a really challenging first experience, sometimes that second baby comes along and they're just a dream and you get given a bit of a Whereas for me, I had a really great first experience and then my second baby came along and knocked me to the Threw it all out the window. See, whereas I had the opposite. Like with Georgia, I had such a 
horrible prenatal. Yeah. And I had postnatal. So I was so scared. That's why I wanted to ask that question because I was so scared going into the second pregnancy with Rhea, but it was a dream. Mm. And I had like, I didn't have prenatal, I didn't have postnatal, but I had gestational diabetes. I had all all the other stuff. Yeah, I had everything else (laughs) going on, but I didn't have that. And I think that's really for our listeners. You know, Adriana also shared today that she, you had prenatal. I had pre. Well, I only have one child, so I'm in that process of when do I have two? And but I yeah. did have prenatal. I had no idea that was even a thing because you have so much information about postnatal mm. that when it hit me, I was like, "What is this? Am I yeah. depressed? Am I? Yeah, I had I had no idea what was going on. So the thought of having another, I think I'm more aware of it but it's still scary that it could happen again. I think for people that are feeling worried, just remembering how much they've learnt through that first experience. Exactly. And knowledge is so powerful. So you know where to go for help. And I think for me with every baby I've had, I have gotten better and better at putting more things in place, not less, you know. You think you get better at it so you don't need any help, but you get so good at asking for help. You want to have a safety net in place. So even if you think Mm -hmm. I'm totally fine, I need nothing, I would be putting something in place yeah, to sort of make sure of that. Look, going from one to two, one thing that I always think about is how do you manage your time? (laughs) I already think with one, I'm like, I don't have any time. How do people have two, three? How do they have twins? That's what I want to know. Oh, well, that's two different questions. (laughs) Exactly. Where is the time? The beautiful thing about people who have twins, they never have that experience of that one perfect. Because what happens in the jump from one to two you're going to let some stuff slide. Yeah, and you yeah. do. Some things that you care very deeply about right now, you're going to go, I no longer care about that. Exactly. You're so right, Jen. <laughs> you're going to start dressing your children for the next day's daycare the night before and you're going to be oh, like, 100%. that will do it. <laughs> I've got that in our, in our outro. I'm like, it's okay you to do. dress your kids in daycare clothes for the next day. 100%. You know, yeah. you're going to find ways to cut corners. People exactly. who have twins, they're doing that from the get-go and they have yeah. to make some slightly different decisions. They've got to often get those babies feeding on the one schedule. And so just from the get-go, they also, the other thing they do right from the start, they accept help. They literally move their yeah. mum. You have to, yeah. <laughs> and whereas I was like, oh, no, I'm doing it all by myself until I cracked under the pressure of two, if you have yeah. twins right from the beginning, you're not expecting to be able to do it on your own. So in a way it totally. forces you to accept that we were never meant to do this on our own. Yeah. And, like, what is the most common feeling you get with the parents having gone from one to two? Is it guilt, abandonment, sleep deprivation? Yeah. Like, given your experience working with a lot of parents, have you seen a common denominator in oh this? Gosh. It's all of those things. All of the above. <laughs> Okay, so what I see, and the biggest thing we don't talk about this enough, mm-hmm. many mums as they are approaching the birth of that second baby or even after that baby has been born feel incredibly torn. Like you've just had this love affair for one or two or three years with your first child. You now know that person and you are at that point in love with them and your heart almost belongs to them. And then this second baby is coming and many mums are thinking, can I love another? You know, I don't know if you ever experienced heartbreak growing up. And yeah. you, I remember saying, I could never, my heart is dead to anyone else. Like I can't, it's a bit like that. Like you just think, how yeah, could I love someone the way I love this child? 
And so that's a very scary feeling for many mums. And I want to say again, relationships unfold over time. And it's okay if that little baby comes out and your heart is with your two-year-old because that makes sense. You know that person and you've loved them for two years inside and out and you will get to know this baby. So what I say, this is more for parents, but it's a beautiful little analogy for some kids too. I say to them, it's not like we take our heart or our love for our child and start cutting it up. Like it's not like I had one little heart and then I've now divided it in four for my four children and now my dog. It's (laughs) actually that with every new baby, we grow a new little heart. You want to think about that. So with every baby, you grow this little heart. And so you've got that existing heart for your older child. Yeah. New little heart and it will grow as your child grows. And so relationships unfold over time and we need to be patient and just trust that you know, and for me, I had four boys and every time I had a, particularly my second, I thought, I know who this is. I've done this before. He's in the same clothes. And within three, four, five weeks, he's letting me know, I am a new person. You have yeah. not met yeah. me. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, then you fall in love with that little person. And yeah. I remember when he turned one and when he turned two, I couldn't believe how much that love can grow. And I think it's an important thing to talk to parents expecting a second baby about. But I didn't answer your question about the other emotions because that's one of the big ones. (laughs) But then it's once we get home with our children and we're so excited and we've got this vision of this perfect meeting of this older child and this baby and it can be chaotic and messy and what we underestimate is that we've then got a child who is grieving a change to our relationship and they're going to show it and they're going to push boundaries or they're going to have really big feelings And it takes quite a lot of work to reassure them that everything's okay. And if you don't know that that's normal, you might think, oh, no, like there's something wrong with my child. And in fact, your child doing that stuff is a sign that you have done a beautiful job with them because they had a lot to lose, right? They're fighting. Oh, I know. It's so beautiful. Because I'm thinking about Georgia and like when I brought Maria home, I'm so emotional. (laughs) And I felt that way. Like yeah. I was so scared about leaving her. Mm. It was the first time I ever left her. Yeah. And I just felt this guilt that I was going to the hospital and then I'd come home with this new baby but I'd left her. Mm. Like I, I really felt that for the first time. I never had that like feeling before of intense guilt but mm. also excitement to meet this new little bubba. But then, like, bringing her home, I was like, I just want to see Georgia. Like, I just want her to know that I'm still here here and I love her more than the world itself. And, like, we've done this for her, like, so she can have this little human. And I'm getting so emotional because you've just touched on everything today that is just, like, close to you. So close. And I think it's so important for mums, like, to know that all those feelings are okay and they're normal. I think touching on that strong feeling of mum guilt, what are some tips? Like I know even having one child, like dropping him off at daycare and I walk out and I'm like, oh, my God, I just left him with people. He doesn't even know who they are. What am I doing? This isn't right. And then, like you said, that strong Mm. feeling of guilt that I'm having another baby, I'm leaving you. What are tips to get rid of that? I'm sure there's (laughs) no, no, not get rid of it, no. (laughs) But like tools or suggestions that can be like like, used to prepare for the transition. Exactly. So instead of thinking we want to get rid of that, because I love it. Exactly. Don't we all want to get rid of that? Sometimes you feel like that. (laughs) Wouldn't we love to get rid of uncomfortable feelings? Exactly. Only what we want to do is 
answer the door to them really and say, okay, so I'm feeling guilt. And that makes sense because I've loved this child for two years and I don't know this baby yet and I've heard that's normal. The other way we get around guilt is we want to keep reminding ourselves that we are doing the best we can Mm -hmm. and we have never done this before. So in the lead up to a second baby, society will tell you, you'll be fine, you'll just be busy Mm. and you'll be fine because you've done it before and they're talking about the baby and you will be. It will be much easier the second time you will feel innately more comfortable and it will just go better. But what you're actually dealing with is those feelings around your older child, those worries around making sure that they're okay. And that's the bit you've never done before. And so we're constantly always at the beginning with our first child and we're making mistakes and we're doing the best we can. And the beautiful thing is our children don't need anything different than that. They're happy with us bumbling along making mistakes as long as we're turning them up and letting them know that they can make mistakes too and we've got that. So we're kind of hanging in there with that. So I would lean into that and go, it makes sense to feel worried. I would love to let people know one thing, though, in terms of that sense of it's the first time many parents have left their baby for a number of days. Yes. Particularly during COVID, many people, their child Yes, that was me. That Mm -hmm. that would have been so hard. Georgia could not visit. She could not see anything. We FaceTimed her. I've still got the video. Stelios videoed me. FaceTiming her for the first time meeting her little sister. But that was heart-wrenching for me. Yeah, that's going to feel hard. But at the same time, for a child who's really kind of two or three, they Mm. can't process time in the same way you do. Mm. So for you, every single day that missing of your child will build up like grief does and it will build up and you will absolutely, it's harder for you. For them... It's not a separation in the way you think of it because they've got this built-in ability to be very much in the present. So they're like, I miss mum. Oh, what's that toy? And so then they're kind of able to constantly come back into the present. So in some ways what is harder for our little guys and girls is coming into hospital and then having to leave mummy again. Like in some ways it's actually the separation that keeps repeating that can be harder. Yeah, so it can be a gift And many parents will make a decision they're not going to FaceTime because their child is going so well and they're so happy and they're like, I'm just not going to rock that boat. Or they do FaceTime and it upsets their child so much that the person caring for their child just says that didn't work. Mm -hmm. And that's a really understandable thing at two or three because they do have that incredible ability. So time doesn't pass in the same way for them. And it's good to know that because then you're like, okay, so it's really hard for me, but my child is going to be okay. And there is nothing we can't repair Mm. if we have had a separation through just leaning into that, reconnecting, allowing those emotions that come up and trust that we've got that. We've got this great relationship. We've got this. I love that because now I'm thinking, shit, did she even care? Because (laughs) (laughs) she was with my mom having the time of her life. I FaceTimed her. She was like, oh, sister, sister, like so happy. And then she's like, bye, mommy, love you. (laughs) And I'm like, (laughs) yeah, don't you care? She just did not care. But if we were to just like really quickly, like if I was to have a third, which we are thinking about having a third, Georgia is going to be five and Rhea is going to be three. Is Georgia going to feel that abandonment? No. The person that I think gets most affected by a baby coming into the house is the person that would have been the youngest. 
Okay. There will be moments that your oldest will need that reassurance. Like in the same way, you know, you can just be having a little moment where you're tucking in that oldest child or you're walking to the ATM, you get a moment alone with them, you squeeze their hand, you say, I love it when it's just you and I, you know, and you're going to reassure that oldest child, she like, you know, the that, that the connection is still there. Yeah. But by that point, she's going to have school friends and all kinds of things going on. It is a little bit less hard. Like I'm not going to say for some kids it's not, but mostly that won't be a problem. Okay. Most of your problem will be the child that was the youngest because they are now going, well, where do I fit? What does this mean? I was the baby. How do we reassure that? And it's all the same stuff that we do. We want to kind of really reassure them. The biggest thing you can do with any child that has had a sibling come into the house, no matter what age, is up your physical connections. More high fives, more hugs. They might be playing happily. You come up and say, I couldn't help but give you a squeeze. I love you so much. <laughs> you go back in after you put them to bed and go, I needed one more hug. I'm just that needy for you. And you just lean into okay. feeling that emotional cool. yeah. When Kids feel really connected with us. They tend to go a lot better with the big transition that follows. Okay, I love that yeah. because George often says to me, I love when it's just you and I, mummy. And then I say, I do too, but I also love it when it's mummy, daddy, and Maria as well. So maybe I'll just let her have that moment. Yeah. <laughs> she just wants you. <laughs> okay. Well, so lead into that. That's her just saying, I need to know that I'm enough on oh, my Papa, own. And you so need to know, but I see where you're coming from, though. You just want to make, you know, I want everyone to be involved. Here. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Look, do you know what? She loves her sister. She does. As well. And yeah. so often what our kids are needing, because the most important relationship to them is that primary caregiver. So that's you. Okay. And that reassurance that I'm there and I love time with you too. It's one of the biggest gifts we can give our kids. I love it when it's just you and me. Many parents do feel a bit guilty, but I want them to know that I want us all to be together. But yes. it's almost I- like first and foremost, they need to know that safe base is there, that invisible string between you and her that can okay. never be broken. Okay. Yeah. And then the love for the sister. Again, you don't have to play a role in that. That will unfold as it should. Okay. You're amazing. I wanted to ask, do you find people are more inclined to base going from one to two purely on age gaps, even if they don't feel ready? Because for me, I have this real thing that like, I want to have them close because we're already in the shit. So may as well just like yeah, put that's it all a, in. That's a big thing for me too. Like, and I don't feel I don't feel that I'm ready because I look at my son and I'm like, oh, I'm not ready to, like you yeah. say, divide your time. Yeah. But then in my head I'm like, oh, but he's almost two. I should have another one just so they grow up close together. Yeah, it's a real conflict. Do you find, Jen, that people are more inclined to base, like just from your experience working with parents? Look, the most common age gap is right on two years. And I think what happens is going through the tough first 12 months and then your child is 14 months and suddenly they're so cute. Yeah, so cute. And, and they're so <laughs> cute but they're not two yet so they're not throwing horrendous meltdowns and so mm-hmm. you look at each other and they go, aren't they so cute? <laughs> That's when you fall pregnant. So that, that is what happens, I think, is yeah. that finally get a good night's sleep. Your child is being absolutely adorable. They're saying a couple of words and... That is why the most common age gap is two. (laughs) Oh, my God. Other than that, I mean, we can't always plan it, can we? No. And just touching on that, planning it, when do you know you're ready? Like are there signs or is it? Uh, I I, I don't think you're ever really ready. No. I think you're overthinking it. 
Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't do that. No, not okay. in my everyday life. Adriana doesn't do that at all, Jen. At all. She's not an overthinker at all. At all, no. But <laughs> So you've touched on like what are some of the ways that we can prepare for a second child for the sibling, but how can we as parents prepare Prepare. for a second child? You know, much like our babies, we can't know how something is going to feel and how it's going to go till we're in it. Until it happens. And and we we can't know how it's going to feel to be juggling two kids or how it's going to hit us. But what we can do is really be proactive in putting support in place. So Mm -hmm. having a conversation with your partner about how it's gone juggling one child and What's working? What's not working? What can we shift or change in terms of our relationship, in terms of what role we're both playing? How is that going for us? What else can we put in place? You know, one of the things I used to put in place before a new baby always was mother's helper, like a young person to come in in the afternoons, one to two days a week, and just give me a hand, just be there to play with the older child or take the baby for a walk around the block so that there was just an extra set of hands because I worked out the hard way. That's a really hard time of day with two little kids if one of them is having that witching hour crying at six yeah, yeah. hour. So just sort of prepping for you've done this before. So what bits did you find the hardest? What support can you put in place? And be really proactive. If you have a mother's helper and you don't need it, awesome. They can tidy the pantry or something. Like, you know, you can absolutely make use of that. It's better to be more prepared than less. Less, But in terms of how emotionally ready or if, like you said before, you knew you needed some help emotionally with your first baby, make sure you touch base with your psychologist. Even if you're going absolutely fine, just retouch base Mm -hmm. so that if the, Mm -hmm. you know, proverbial does hit the fan, you're straight back in being reconnected straight away and you've got that safety net in place. So I think it's about being a bit proactive, but in a way, much like when we have our first baby, we have to surrender and we don't know how our older child is going to react. And many children go well, but many, many children do struggle quite significantly. And at that point, it's putting your hand up and asking for help, you know, from someone like me with your older child and with what's happening for them. So I think it's just a bit of surrender and a bit of proactive prep. Yeah, amazing. I love that. We have touched so much on the siblings and in respect to, you know, how the elder how how the youngest is the most affected. But can you just quickly and lastly like sibling jealousy, some tips on navigating through it. <laughs> I love that you're laughing at that because I'm like I know you're asking for yourself. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I just wanted to get that in there in case any other listeners want to know about that. Mm -hmm. Number one thing to look at when our kids really do want to go well and they don't want to fight, they don't want to hit their sibling and there's a few things happening but the biggest thing we need to realise is if we're getting repeated sibling behaviour that's not my brother knocked over my tower and I lost it because that's normal, Mm -hmm. that's two or three. You don't have that ability to regulate, that's normal. But when we're seeing repeated one child going at the other, repeated, repeated, and we're thinking you've got a sibling sort of issue happening or sibling rivalry is when you think to yourself, this is not working for me. This is not working for me. Oh, yeah. When you know, when you're in that place and you've got that sibling stuff going on, the number one thing we need to look at is how am I meeting those needs to connect for both kids? Because it is 99% of the time about you and your child not about the sibling. Older child on younger child is the most common one, but a reason a child will hit that older child repeatedly or snatch their toys is to seek connection from us because we are never more connected than when we are saying we do not hit and we're 
giving them all that attention and connection. It's not good attention, but they will take it because they are so desperate to know that they've got that from us. So what we need to do is step back from that. And when we approach sibling stuff, we're trying to come in instead of being like an adjudicator or the jury passing down the do's and the don'ts. Yes, we need to be tough, but we need to be like a commentator calling a horse race. So you come in and you're like, oh, no, I said your kids, one's crying, one looks worried, and oh, one of them's crying. So should we check if she's okay? I'm going to check if she's okay because your child probably won't want to do that. That's like asking them to say sorry, but we're going to model it. So we say, are you okay? Oh, looks like things went wrong here. So what I'm doing in that moment, I'm being really neutral. I know who hit because I'm the (laughs) mum. But what I don't know is that it takes two to tango and that sometimes that other child has learned how to push, push, push till that other child snaps because they're both seeking that connection. Totally. And it's always about me. So I need to come in neutral because only if I come in neutral do I have the chance to then give empathy to both kids. I'm going to check if you're okay and you look worried. It looks like something went wrong. Did your sister knock over your tower again? Yeah, that can happen. And you lost it. You didn't mean to hit. Ugh. If they go to hit again, I'm absolutely going to set a boundary and go, oh, I won't let you hit. Don't worry. I'll always help you with that. But we're welcoming all their feelings. We're staying really neutral because if we take a side and go, you should know better, you're older or I've told you before or whatever, yeah. you rinse and repeat. It's going to happen again. So we're kind of trying to really help them with that, with our neutral tone. We're commentating on what happened. And then we're going to, from that place, give empathy to everyone. Once everyone feels heard, even your hitter feels heard, and they're the most important one to feel Mm -hmm. heard, then they're able to hear our coaching. If they don't feel heard, you cannot coach them. So nothing can change. So if one child hits the other and I say, we do not hit in this family, go sit in the corner. What happens is my child's Mm -hmm. brain goes into fight or flight. And then when I say, I told you not to hit, none of that goes in, they hit again. Like it just, they can't learn. If I be empathetic and say, oh, you hit and you didn't mean to, don't worry, I'll be there to stop you. You can always tell me if you feel like hitting and I will help you. Now we've got an entry point. Now we've got a child that has like, oh, I could come to you when I need help. I could say stop. There's all these other, oh, and, and what we're trying to set up is our first point of change will be our child saying, I need help. I really want to hit my sister. Exactly. I was going to say, if they can't monitor their own emotions, mm. at least you're saying, well, I'm here to help you. You don't have to navigate through this alone. And that's the first step in learning. So the first yeah. step in learning how to monitor our emotions is knowing I feel like hitting. Yeah. And our instinct, if a child comes to you and says, I really feel like hurting my sibling, we might say, well, that's terrible. But what we want to do is say, thank you so much for telling me. I'll always be there to help you. Yeah, because they don't have the See, words to say, this is how I'm feeling. Like they don't know why they want to hit. I love that because last night I was putting Georgia to bed. And to be honest, we spend a lot more time and patience with our little one putting her to bed because she's little She's struggling at the moment and Georgia just gets up into her bed, puts a doona over her. We tuck her in and we're like, love you so much. Good night. Thank you for being you. And we leave. But last night, Maria cried and I said, oh my God, you've got tears. I was really like, oh, Baba, it's okay. Like mummy's here. I always say, you know, mummy's here, daddy's here. And then Georgia just had this like episode where she's like, you love Maria more than me. You said that she has real tears. That makes me feel sad. That makes me feel like you love her more than me. And I was like, what? Because she's, what? I was like really taken aback. And I said, Georgia, I said, talk to me. Like what what made you believe or have those thoughts that I love Maria more than you? 
And she said, when you told her that you could see real tears, you never say that to me. And it was just that. Yeah. And I just said to her, I love you both so equally. I'm really sorry. She said, please do not ever say that you can see her real tears. It really, <laughs> really upset me. At least she can express it really but well. But I was so proud of her that she could articulate her feelings. So instead of trying to fix it for the first time, I just went, I am so proud of you for telling me how you feel. Mm. Thank you for communicating yeah. how you. you feel to me because that's incredible. Mm. I'm so proud and I'm so grateful that you could communicate how you felt with me. And now, mummy, when I see you crying, I will say to you, oh, wow, look at those tears. Like it sounds funny. <laughs> and that's what she needs. It's hilarious, but that's what she needed. She said, yes, thank you, mummy. That will make me feel very better. I yeah, said, very oh, better. So okay. Cute. And that's so important and what you've sort of said in that moment to her is something much bigger. You've said that there's nothing you can't tell me. And if you'd Mm. have just said, no, I love you both the same, like don't say that, that's silly, then she's like, okay, that didn't really get heard. And what we wow. always want to do yeah. is let them know that we I hear it. think about that though. Sometimes you just say things. Sometimes that can be really hard to do. Like you did it so beautifully, but sometimes people don't even know what they're hearing in the moment or it's triggering because you think, of course I love you both. Like you want to yeah. just jump straight to that solution. Mm. So one of the things you can do in those moments is just commentate back what you hear. Just do active listening. So your child okay. says, you know, you love him more than me. You gave him more ice cream. Now, I want to go, they're completely even. You know, I measured it carefully. (laughs) Whatever. Because that's my logic. But if we can just commentate back, it sounds like you really feel like your brother got more than you. That gives me a second to regulate myself and then say, that must be a really hard feeling. And often I don't need to fix it or solve it. Like often all our kids want is to just have us say, that sounds tough. You must. And that can feel really scary to not then fix it or make it better. But 90% of it is just hear me. And what if they turn around and say, but she did get more than me? (laughs) I can see it right there. (laughs) How do I then say, I can hear you, Georgia. It looks like she got more than you. It really feels to you like your brother is getting more and, and that feels really unfair. And then you're making a call as a parent. Are you going to put another scoop in that child's ice cream bowl? (laughs) Okay. Or are you going to hold your line because you know they're even and say, I know it feels that way and it's okay for you to feel like you don't have enough. It's a really common feeling. I'm happy to sit with you. You can either eat ice cream or not, but I'm not changing anything. So you can either hold the boundary or, you you know, doesn't matter what you do as long as you're welcoming that feeling. You've got to hang with the underlying emotion. I can see that you really feel like your sister got more and that feels so unfair. Okay, and that feels so unfair. So just acknowledging her feelings. Yeah, so you can either have it or choose not to have it, but I'm going to sit with you with Don't rush to that. Don't rush to the second bit. (laughs) Okay. You (laughs) eat your ice cream, okay? (laughs) Okay. So really just sitting with her so she can just. And then your child says, it's so unfair. And you say, oh, I can see you're having such a hard time. I get it. Okay. Honestly, we rush. We rush to kind I do, of all to the time. Fix it. Yeah, yeah, right. Is that every parent, Jen? Yeah, because it's really uncomfortable when our kids are sad. We love them. We yes. want them better. Mm. 
But, yes. but they want to be loved and they, they want to hear us, but they need to be heard first. All right. That's really so good. That's, that's been amazing. Yeah. I'm so grateful for you giving me your time again and talking all things one to two. I love yeah. having you on, Jen. I just love it. <laughs> so good. So thank you so much for coming on and giving us your time. If anyone has any questions for you or needs to reach out to you, where can they find you? Best place is Instagram at connectedparentingau or my website, connectedparenting.com.au. Awesome. And we'll have that on our blogs and on our website and on our socials as well. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you. That was great. Pleasure. Well, a huge thanks again to Jen for joining us. It was so exciting to have her back again. This is a huge, huge topic. It's big and I'm sure we will come back to it again, especially because we need to have our original producer, Lauren, back on the show to tell us how she's been going as a mum of two. So that will be exciting to have her back and to be able to check in with her and see how she's managing the chaos and all the ins and outs of a toddler and a newborn. If you have any questions or you have any stories about friendships, partners, a real life story about what has transpired or anything like that, please hit us up on socials at Mummy Village Pod or visit our website mummyvillage.co so we can connect with you. We would love to hear some stories. Please subscribe to our podcast on your favourite listening app to keep up to date when we launch our next episode. If you enjoy our show, please leave a positive rating and review so that others can find and enjoy it too. I'm Jaden And I'm Adriana. And you've been listening to the Mummy Village Podcast. Remember, we love you and it's okay to take the kids for a drive if that's the only way to get them to sleep. Leave your kids in the car and crack the window open. (laughs) (laughs) And call the police on me. Thank you. (laughs) 